Hello and welcome to Under London's Ground, a podcast by archaeologists who love London and all the weird, wonderful, amazing, quirky things that have happened here. I am Paul Duncan McGarity, owner of a surprising amount of armour. And with me is Amy Cloud Botherer Atkins. <laughs> what does that mean? It means you bother clouds, you're very tall. <laughs> That's a good one. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Um, and this is a podcast where, as I say, we're going to bring some facts. We're going to drag them kicking and screaming from the books into your ear holes. <laughs> That's exactly where we put them. That's so aggressive. For the, we're I, just think, I just think we should present you some interesting facts that you might be able to talk to your mates about and be like, oh my God, did you know? Yeah. Paul wants to ram them in your ear holes. Yes. Through the ear holes, into the brain mush. From books, without removing them from the books. I'm going to smash books at the side of your head. Um, so we're going to tell you a couple of those facts now. Uh, the important, the key thing is that we have brought a fact each, but the other person does not know what the fact is that we have brought to the table. So here is episode three, entitled Lions and Lists. So, Amy... You want to crack on first? Mm. So, my fact is that the animals at London Zoo originally came from the Tower of London. Like, what? Not not originally, originally. Yeah. How old are those animals? <laughs> not the current animals at London Zoo originally came from the Tower of London. So the, the Tower of London is obviously best known as a prism, but it also had a collection of exotic animals for a surprisingly long time. Yes. Um, so it started in 1235 when King Henry III was given three leopards as a present. Yeah. Which makes my recent birthday and Christmas presents... Awful. Yeah, exactly. Or, or, or amazing. I don't know what you got, actually. So he was given these leopards and he was like, where the hell do I put these? <laughs> and he thought, where's, where's secure? Yeah. Where's, Lon- where's in London? Why did he think Tower the of Tower London? of London was secure? Side fact. Yeah. What was the name of the first prisoner in the Tower of London? Doesn't matter if you don't know, his name was Ranulph Flambert, right? Okay. Do you know what the name of the first person to escape from the Tower of London was? I'm going to go for Ranulph. It was Ranulph Flambert. Why Did anyone thought it was inescapable when the first person they built it for got out? So do you know who the last prisoners at the Tower of London were? Uh, ooh, was it spies? No, it was Ronnie and Reggie Cray. <gasps> what? The Cray twins for dodging um, conscription. They, they, got... they didn't sign up for their military service, so, so they, they got... were held at the White Tower. Yeah. Specifically those two? Yeah. With other people? I don't know that much. No, You're no, grilling no. me too much. <laughs> Let me move on to the fact that I do know about. Yes. Um, so yeah, so we put them in the tower, um, and the Royal Menagerie, as it came to be known, grew over the years to include an elephant, Mm-hmm. lions, pumas, and eagles. There was even a polar bear, which was kept on a chain just long enough for it to swim in the Thames, but oh. not so long that it could, you know, like, catch children or something. I don't know. <laughs> right. Unless they were in the Thames, in which case, more for them, they don't know yeah, the yeah, dangers yeah. of polar bears. Um, <laughs> allegedly, although I can't find, I personally can't find any evidence for this, mm-hmm. visitors could pay for their entry to the Royal Menagerie by bringing a dog or a cat to feed to the lions. Oh, great. I know. That feels like one of those things that might not be true, but feels true because uh, the past was the past horrible. Was People in the past were horrible. Yeah. Um, so the Menagerie continued for 60, six, 600 years until it was shut due to concerns over the welfare of the animals, partly due, I think, to the 
RSPCA being created in 1824. Oh, brilliant. I the know, RSPCA like were created and they looked around and went, and what should our first job... Oh, no! Oh, my. Um, so a few years later, 150 animals were moved to a new site in Regent's Park, which became London Zoo. That is an incredible amount of animals to be in the tower. It was, it was a the, lot. The fact that they left the ravens is quite fun as well. But I think that's because there's sort of like this legend attached to the ravens, isn't it? That if yeah. they leave the if Tower leave of London, the, tower, the Empire will fall or whatever. Yeah. Does you know just so you know that they've clipped the wings of all mm-hmm. the ravens? Which I'm thinking, great start to a horror movie if everyone wants to do it. Have someone talking about how, how all the ravens' wings are clipped. And then they fly around. And then they fly away. But they do fly around no, in the Tower not, of London. They do short hops, but they can't I'm sorry, fly. I have seen a raven at the Tower of London fly. It has glided through the air. Yeah. So, riddle me this, what's the difference between flying and gliding? <laughs> gliding is falling with style? I don't know. Maybe they clip, like, a handful of them so they've got backup in case the rest of them leave. Oh, Brian's gone again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, Britain's collapsing. <laughs> I can't leave! <laughs> so I have a, um, a sort of fact that's sort of related to that. A sort of a fact. A sort of fact. Well, no, it's, it is a fact. It's sort of okay. related. So at the start of the Blitz, mm-hmm. all the venomous animals at London Zoo were killed so that they didn't escape and hurt someone. Oh. I know. So the zoo closed on the day war broke out um, in oh. September 1939. Nice, yes. Um, because the government had ordered the closure of any public spaces where people might congregate and become a target. Um, so the zoo... Oh. Sorry, I'm just trying to think what that means. Like... Trafalgar Square? Yeah, I guess so. They basically banned... Um, like, on when war first broke out, I think they were terrified. Oh, they were... Yeah, yeah, because so they thought that the, gassing from the air was going to happen. And yeah. Okay, fair enough, yeah. Um, so the zoo had already moved the most valuable animals out to Whipsnade Zoo in the countryside, so they, like, evacuated them. Oh. Um, some pandas, <laughs> some elephants. When you say that, I just got an image of them with, Stood like... Stood on a, tra- a railway station <laughs> with, like, a little tag, like... Father oh. going up to an elephant going, You're going to help me on my land. <laughs> And then, and then the they, pandas find a wardrobe, wardrobe and they, and they, they go, go through it. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to do. Oh, you beat me to the joke that but time. But then they were left with all these animals. Um, and there was a real concern that some buildings might be damaged by bombing and that all the venomous animals could escape and kill members of the public so they were all killed. Oh, no. I know, I know. Um, but even sadder yeah. than that. Can't you just, like, de-venom snakes and things like that? They had bigger things on their mind, Paul. Okay. The country was at war. If you Who's going to milk a snake when the country's at war? A zookeeper. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> That's their job. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I can't answer that for well, you. At the very least, airlift I the can't sna- justify the actions of London snakes. Zoo, you know, 70 years ago. Patriotic snakes would have volunteered to be dropped on Germany. 70 years, that was bad maths. What? Bad? Did you say 70 years? 70 years ago, that was bad maths. Nah. We're historians, not mathematicians. <laughs> it's not like we deal in years or things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even sadder than that hmm. is the fact that there was a massive cull of pets by the British public at the beginning of the war. Venomous dog. No, no, no. So. <laughs> um, but it's a fact not many people know about. We've kind of hush-hushed it all up, really. But basically, there was a pamphlet that was circulated in national newspapers. Yeah. Um, and it was even broadcast on the BBC... Um, which was basically advice for pet owners, and the pamphlet told people to take their animals to the countryside if they could. Um, otherwise, the kindest thing to do was to kill them. 
Um, and oh. so I found this BBC article that estimates that, you know, this led to mass panic and hysteria. And an estimated 750,000 pets were killed in one week. Is this... People went like, people were like, oh, I need to look after my dog. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, is there a specific reason or were there just lots of people who had German shepherds that were like, I'm, I don't trust you. <laughs> <laughs> and you schnauzers. <laughs> Um, I think it was just so that they didn't get like trapped in rubble or I, I don't know or food. I don't know if yeah. rationing was was there was a concern. So it wasn't that, like a fear that there were going to be like feral packs of dogs. I don't think so. Stuff. I think the pamphlet was kind of like honestly the kindest thing you can do as a pet owner yeah. is to put your pet down. So it yeah I don't know I don't know the exact reason. Oh why. wow, that's brutal. I know. I've, I've ended the past is a, grim. The past is so grim. That's not even that long ago. No, I know. Seventy years. <laughs> I heard. Right. Well, that's quite a sad note. So why don't we move on to something slightly less sad? Um, a couple of things just to preface yeah, yeah. this fact. Are you ready? Do you know what the uh, the guilds of London are? Like the worshipful yes. companies? Yeah. Yes. They are sort of like the organisations that would represent various trades within the city of London. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't in the guild, you were... You were a nobody. You were not allowed <laughs> to work in that trade, pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. They were quite protectionist. But it was a way of like operating the city... But everyone wanted to know which guild was more important than the others. Yeah. Because it's not Britain if it's not hierarchical. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Right? This led to like regularly people going, oh, I don't know who, which is more powerful. Da, 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 da. Mm. So they decided to fix this. And in 1515, the Court of Aldermen set the precedence... For the forty-eight existing companies that oh, were in like the city put them at the in time, order. put them in yeah, order. Yeah, yeah, right. But that gave rise to a phrase. Have you ever heard the phrase "all sixes and sevens? Yeah, yeah. And that means basically you don't know what to do with yourself. Like you're all a bit of a flap. You're all sixes and sevens. Yeah, yeah. The term comes from the fact that the court of aldermen could not decide between who was more important: the company of skinners, right, yeah. and the merchant tailors. So every year in the list, they switch position between six and seven. Oh, really? What well, it's kind of like decreed that from then on, from, every they... from fifteen fifteen every year, merchant tailors one year, guild of skinners the next. I feel like it's a bit like when you've got siblings and yeah. you give one of them the remote control <laughs> yeah, yeah, one yeah. night, but you get it tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. have it for an hour, and then you get it for an hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like genuinely, it's incredible. So you, the the first forty eight of them, we know exactly who is both that. But obviously, more guilds got added through yeah, how the many years. Are there are loads. There now, are aren't hundreds they? now. I've got a list of the top one hundred and ten, and they after the first forty eight. Yeah. The list is when they're created. Well, so I know that one of the newest companies is the Worshipful Company of Information Technologists. Yes, yeah. that is. <laughs> That's got to be like 107? Um, the Information Technologists, have we got them on my list? I think I do. Uh, yes, they are 100. <laughs> They're at number 100 on the list. So I, there are, sorry, there are 110 companies 110. now. Um, and as I say, so the first 48 are there based on this 1515 kind of like... Uh, top trumps yeah, yeah. in like the that. city, right? Yep. Everything after that is the order in which they were created. Okay. Okay? So, <clears throat> that means that the city of London 
had a worshipful company of chartered architects okay. before it had a worshipful company of educators. Teachers are the 109th worshipful company. Well, that makes sense, though, because like, in Georgian London, they were considerably more interested in building pretty buildings than they were educating children. Yeah, but like these are in the 20th century they're coming through now. Okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. And let me let me remind you again that that means that the worshipful company of information technologists are nine places above teachers. <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. That's pretty and like teachers aren't let, let me let me just go. So from teachers, yeah. the next five above teachers yeah. are security professionals, tax advisors, international bankers. Management consultants and hackney carriage drivers. <laughs> that is quite bad. Yes. But let's have a look at the ones that they actually decided, right? Um, there's some really interesting ones. Obviously, the fir- the top are the worshipful company of Mercers. Mm-hmm. Mercers are general merchants. You yeah, can yeah. see that it would just go anywhere. But like, it's really interesting to see what um, else they consider. Do you want to have a guess at um, who comes higher, right? Here's, yep. here's the game. Who's higher yep. in the list? The Worshipful Company of Fishmongers or the Worshipful Company of Brewers? Oh, I'm going to say Brewers because that's obviously more important. Oh, you reckon so? Yeah. Yeah. Beer is more important than fish. Brewers. Yeah! Is at 14. Oh, okay. Fishmongers is at four. Ten places higher. Damn. It's medieval England. They love their fish. And they don't understand that the water is killing them. (laughs) (laughs) Hit me with another one. Okay. The Worshipful Company of Wax Chandlers, that's Sorry. Wax Candle Makers. Right, okay. And the Worshipful Company of Tallow Chandlers, or Tallow Candle Makers. Well, wax is obviously better than tallow. That is, you are thinking like a medieval <laughs> person. Because <laughs> tallow like drips, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's like fat. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So you see the fat candles are wax candles, but they're one place higher. So it's 20 for wax, 21 for tallow. And you know that their guild houses were like, I am a wedding better than you. Like, but... yeah, doing, yeah, given all of that. Mm, do you like my wax of candles? <laughs> uh, okay, then the um, Worshipful Company of Plumbers. Is that people who pick plums or. No, that's people who. Pl- pl- look at your U bend. Yeah. yeah, look at your U bend. So the Worshipful com- uh, Company of Plumbers or the uh, Worshipful Company of Blacksmiths. Did they have plumbers and... Is this in the whole list of 110? No, this is 31, is the worship of company of plumbers. Well, you've just told me then, haven't you? Well, I haven't told you where the blacksmiths are. Blacksmiths are higher than that. You reckon? Yeah. The worship of company of blacksmiths are number 40. What? Yes. Below plumbers. <sighs> Which mean, I mean, plumbers have always been able to, like, charge outrageously. That's true. I'll oh, move them down. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but yeah, it's a fascinating list. That is really interesting. It's also, so I, I know that worshipful companies are super like secretive. It's all kind of shrouded in mystery as to what they actually get up to. But did you know yeah. in, I think it was like 2005, 2006, the worshipful company of Mercers, which you said was top of the list, they chose to publish kind of like their assets, yeah. how much, and it was something like 450 million pounds in assets that they had. Um under their management, and that includes the Royal Exchange Shopping Arcade. Yeah. Yeah, they own that. Um, Ooh, it's good to be number one. Right, but they also, I think they gave like £9 million to charity one year or something. Wow. But so they're the only people that have really chosen, to, I think, to publish their their sort of 
So what you want to know is I want to know, what do the worshipful company of information technologists have? Actually, I think I do know that. I think that they only only donated £750,000. So they're not as uh, well off. But you know that the law mayor has to belong to one of the city livery companies. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's still like this old-fashioned tradition that they have to belong to one of them. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, the, some of them. Do you want to know who the first company that was created after the 1515 uh, decisions? So the 49th. Would you, what would you do if I said no? You don't want to know. What, what if we're I'd doing say, this fact-based so podcast? So that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> Why are you asking me then? Just get on with it. Just read me the fact. Because <laughs> you're, you're the proxy for the audience. <laughs> Please, Paul, tell me who came in at number 49. This is why we don't do episodes back-to-back, because you get tired and cranky. <laughs> we're going to go away and have snacks after this. a chocolate bar. Exactly. <laughs> this is the problem, right? And it's the royal, it's the worshipful companies of upholsterers. Oh, a cup of tea. It's people who make... Are there any chocolatiers or tea makers? Chocolatiers are in it, I believe, yeah. No way. Yes. yes Sign me up. Let's see if we've got the royal... I can't make chocolate, but I can sure as hell eat it. Okay, shipwrights, spectacle makers, clock makers, glovers, felt makers, frame knitters, needle makers, gardeners, tin plate workers, wheelwrights, distillers, pattern makers, glass sellers, coach makers. Some of these can, are actually Can you not like list the whole list thing? Gun, gun makers. Strikes me as there's not many people making That's guns in the probably gone city out of London. Yeah. Air pilots... Hang on. Farmers, air pilots, tobacco pipe makers, furniture makers, scientific instrument makers. I'm looking for chocolate. I haven't heard chocolatiers come out. Well, I haven't found chocolatiers, yes. Uh, Don't read through 110. Fine. Cooks, coopers, tailors. You're just reading more out. I am. There are no... Isn't there one about braziers? Braziers? Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't know. Builders, merchants. Builders, merchants. Not builders. Just the people who sell to builders. (laughs) It's an important job, to be fair. Lightmongers. Lightmongers. Is that people who sell lights? Yes. Like when you walk past one of those shops and it's just all lamps. Actually, that's quite amazing. So it basically goes, Worshipful Company of Lightmongers, people who sell lights, uh, is the next company after them is the Worshipful Company of Environmental Cleaners. That's a bit niche. Which is also still above teachers. But that's when they joined. That's not them being ranked, is it? No, but that's when they jo- the teachers didn't get a guild. Um, so I know... The only people who didn't get a guild until after the teachers is art scholars. Come on. Are Freemasons a worshipful guild? No. no. They're a whole different... No, that- <laughs> they're a kettle of cheese unto themselves. Because, like, um, I know that there's one really weird... Because the worshipful companies have quite weird traditions, don't they? Yeah. Um, and a weird livery company tradition is that the vinters and dyers, yeah. worshipful company of dyers, go out in a rowboat, dressed up to the nines and all their like ceremonial gear, yeah. to count the number of swans on the Thames, which is called <laughs> swan-upping. 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 Swan. Yeah, Dash. from the upping. term one-upping one another. Oh, that might make sense. Yeah, it's a pun. Uh-uh. <laughs> I hope. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's a long-running joke. So why don't you tell everyone about what else Under London Ground does? So we are, yeah, we're both archaeologists, both love what we do um, and the city that we live in. And so we offer guided walking tours around London um, and they're themed on different aspects of archaeology. So we have a tour on Roman London. We have one on the history and archaeology of performance spaces in London. And for anyone who wants to indulge their morbid curiosity, which I know is actually quite a lot of people, um, we have one on the archaeology of death. 
Um, and yeah, we have an Instagram page. Give us a follow yeah. at Under London's Ground. We Lots of interesting facts loads on of interesting that. Facts. Um, we run special events as well. Like we recently did a pub quiz that went down really well. Um, and we have a website which is um, underlondonsground.com where we post loads of um, news and interesting stuff there as well. So yeah, desperate plea to give us a follow. <laughs> Now let's end the episode like we end every episode of Under London Ground with a couple of quick fire facts. <laughs> not, I'm not happy with it, but we've got <laughs> nothing. <laughs> quick fire facts. So I'll go first with this one. The Children's Hospital, Great Ormond Street, owns the rights to Peter Pan. It was left to them by the writer J. M. Barry in his will. That's really, I like that. That's a nice. That's a nice touch. Yeah. Good lad. Good lad, Barry. Um, Baz. Baz. Um, so, my quick fire fact, pew pew, is the, it's just the face Paul makes every time I do it. He looks physically pained. Yeah. Sorry. The London Underground has its own unique subspecies of mosquito called, I'm going to butcher this, Culex pipiens molestus. Love that. Um, yeah, so it's got its own subspecies of mosquito that lives in the, the underground network. And there's also an estimated half a million mice that live in the network too. Mm. I love tube mice. They're I have so a real so I love them and they like scuttle and some of them don't have tails and you're like, what happened? Train. And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like the farmer's wife. No, oh, I just, I really love tube mice. I really mm. like them. But I know quite a lot of people don't. Well, I do like them. Yeah, me too. So let's leave it on a positive. Yeah. Tube mice. Oh, to tube mice. To tube mice. <laughs> um, thank you very much for joining us on another episode of Under London's Ground uh, from me, Paul Duncan McGarity, and from me, Amy Atkins. Uh, we wish you well, uh, and until next time, we hope that you find something interesting near you. Woo! Pew pew! Pew pew! You've been listening to the Under London's Ground podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Under London's Ground and on our website, unsurprisingly, Under London's Ground, where you can book to have a tour of London given to you by an archaeologist. The music you've listened to through this podcast was provided by Brown Boots. Check them out if you can.